Thank you so much. It's a joy to be back at Calvary and to uh, share this International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church with you, uh, to be with one of our key partners. And uh, we're thankful for your prayers. We're thankful for your partnership and your, your passion to help us get the Word of God into the Iran region. I think you'll hear some more stories as I speak that will encourage you that this uh, word, this New Testament in Persian, uh, uh, when people read it, it really changes their lives. So since today is the uh, International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, um, I want to bring a message to you just called simply, Blessed are the Persecuted. Blessed are the Persecuted. It's really a bit of a paradox, this phrase, isn't it? that Jesus said, but I want to uh, talk about it and uh, hopefully encourage you, because when you think about the persecuted church, you generally feel probably a little bit, you know, oh, poor persecuted church, and, and you feel sorry for people, and of course, we don't rejoice that people are suffering. But at the same time, Jesus says something remarkable. He says that they are blessed, and we want to understand a little bit about that. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 to 16, this beautiful passage from the book, from the Sermon on the Mount, the most beautiful message ever preached. So if you don't remember anything I say, just remember this bit and you'll be okay. So Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. And doesn't our world need peacemakers? For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things, evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
Blessed are the persecuted. How can it be blessed? Because it seems persecution is the end of the story so many times. It seems, it appears that way. On December 26, 2010, I got a voicemail. It was the kind of voicemail that changes so much of your life. It was from my friend Farshid Fatih. He was uh, one of our leaders in Iran in 2005. He had started his ministry with two families. By the time I got that voicemail five years later, he had 50 house churches in Iran, almost 1,000 people, and so much of the work that we were doing uh, through Elam at the time was through their work, but it was not a good voicemail. Not good news. Hello, David. This is Farshim, he said. Unfortunately, this morning, this early morning, they've caught all of us. Ladan, Sarah, and he named a few people. We are all in prison. At that, that morning in Iran, 60 of our key leaders were arrested in a sting operation by the Iranian officials, highly coordinated against this tiny little church. 60 leaders, all the top leadership, all of them in prison, all the work over, finished, done. Or was it? Hadn't this happened before? Hasn't this happened before in the church history? Hadn't it happened before in Iran? When they closed down the Bible Society, when they closed down churches, when they closed down, uh, when they stopped pastors from preaching the gospel, when they stopped people uh, from uh, sharing the gospel, when they put people, others in prison, when they killed several leaders, and yet the church had continued to grow. In 1979, there were only about 500 Christians from a Muslim background. 1979 was the year the Islamic regime came, established, got rid of the previous regime, which was more open, established a hardline Islamic regime, and people thought that that tiny church would wither away and die. Instead, it's grown to become one of the fastest churches, growing churches in the world. So we'd seen this before. And of course, you look at places like China where uh, there was such severe persecution, but the church grew to tens of millions of Christians. And of course, you go back all the way through church history, back to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, you see that the church grew despite the persecution, and sometimes even because of the persecution. And so Paul, the apostle, knew this, and he writes to Timothy. He wants Timothy to know. He wants all of us to know. He says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Amen. You can say amen with... Joy and excitement. And John, the Apostle John, is writing from the island of Patmos, the book of Revelation. He is under persecution. The whole church is under persecution at the time. But he writes this in chapter 17, verse 14. They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords 
and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, faithful believers. Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He himself was persecuted, wasn't he? Spat upon, crucified, killed, put in the tomb. But we know the story. The Lamb of God rose again, triumphed over the grave. And this risen Jesus is building his church today. Why does Jesus say, blessed are the persecuted? He knows those who follow him will face opposition in this world as they follow him in his kingdom because the kingdoms of this world are in opposition to his kingdom. So there will be persecution. But what is he saying? You are blessed because you, if you are persecuted, that means you are following the right story. You're in the story that God is writing. And that story, when you face persecution, it's not the end of the story. Because God is writing the story. And so, as you saw in the video, and as you'll hear, Farshid's imprisonment, the suffering of many other Christians in Iran, has not been the end of the story. Because Jesus is alive and he is building his church. And so the church in Iran can say boldly with Paul that the word of God cannot be bound. And that's one of the reasons we love to share the word of God with people in Iran. Even though the government says no, God says yes and he makes a way. I love the opening of the book of Acts. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he says this, the first verse, this is how he starts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. In the first book, do you know what was the first book that he wrote? Not a trick question, pretty easy. Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke is one of the most Exciting books, you know, it's one of the best-selling books in history. It's part of the best. People love, in fact, the Jesus movie is based on the book of Luke. It's an incredible story of the birth of Jesus Christ, his miracles, his calling of the disciples, his teaching, his interactions with the uh, chief priests and, and all the drama around that, and then his death, his resurrection, his ascension. There, can there be a better book? than the story of Jesus' life and the story of salvation. He's written that book. But now he says, that's the first book. In other words, he's saying, there's another story to be written. There's another story to be written. And that is the story of Jesus continuing to do what he said he would do, which is to build his church. Friends, Jesus Christ is alive. Not only is he risen from the dead, but he is building his church. And so the church in Iran is growing because it is living into the story that Jesus is, that God is writing as Jesus builds his church. Many times people say, David, can you explain how has the church in Iran grown despite all the pressure, all the suffering, all the persecution, all the limitations and the restrictions? And the reason is simply, I believe, because 
He, because um, the church is living into the story that God is writing. Jesus said he'll build a church, and the church is living into that story, knowing that persecution is not the end of the story. So the question is, how do we live into the story that God is writing? How can we, wherever we are, whatever challenges we face, whatever limitations or whatever restrictions or even persecution that we may face from our friends or our companies or our businesses or whatever it is, how can you live into the story God is writing and experience that blessing, experience that great reward? So first of all, I'm going well, to share three points that I hope will help you think about how you can live into the story God is writing. The first one is this. In this story, you must live like Jesus is Lord. In this story, you must live like Jesus is Lord. When Christians face persecution and suffering, they're confronted with this question. Is Jesus worth it all? Is Jesus worth it all? Should I really follow him like he is Lord of my whole life? Is Jesus worth losing my home, my family, my friends, my work, my business, my status, my life? What about us when Jesus, when his words and his teaching is challenging to us? And how many of you have come across one or two of the challenging teachings of Jesus? It's not simple. It's not easy. He calls us. He challenges us. What about us? Is it worth following him, even in the challenging things? Will we be like those who, when they heard hard teachings, started to walk away? Or will we be like Peter who says, where else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So many, one of the reasons the church in Iran has grown so rapidly is because there are Christians who have said a wholehearted, yes, Lord, you are worth it. And they live for him with great joy. And this is so important. When we answer, yes, Jesus, you are worth it all. When we understand that he is Lord, then we actually begin to understand something about what it means that he is Lord, that he has ultimate authority in the story. And that that means that we can live by faith even in the hardest situations because faith comes from understanding where ultimate authority lies. Faith comes from understanding where ultimate authority lies. When we live like Jesus is Lord, we understand that he actually is Lord. So when Christians face suffering, they do feel pain, they do cry, they do uh, weep for those who are suffering, for their families, but they also have joy because Jesus said, blessed are you who are persecuted, great is your reward. They know that the end of the story is something so beautiful, so wonderful for the kingdom of God, for his plan, for his purposes. And there's a deep conviction that God 
When he's writing the story, he can take, that, and we submit to the story that he's writing, that he can take even the most difficult, challenging parts of our story and make something beautiful out of it. So earlier this year, I was talking to a couple, we'll call them F and M. F had been imprisoned last December. He was imprisoned for four months, and it was a hard time for his wife. His wife was um, alone, obviously. Uh, they had uh, some children, but they, she was struggling through that situation. And then finally, he was released four months later, and I had the opportunity of talking to them on a Zoom call. You know, and when you're preparing for a call like that, people who've gone through suffering, you're, you're wondering what can you say to encourage them. And you get ready for the Zoom, and you, you put the camera on, and then you press connect, and suddenly I see this beautiful couple with big smiles on their faces. It was the most encouraging conversation I'd had in a long time, one of the most encouraging conversations I've ever had in ministry. They'd been through such suffering, but they, had, they said uh, that they, they genuinely felt the presence of God with them throughout the entire situation. And he was, uh, F was sharing his story, and he kept saying, David, it was like a storm. It was like a storm. And he was doing his hand like this and moving it around. He said, and the storm was raging. But in the midst of that storm was whirling grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. And he said, I knew that God, that Jesus was with me. The smiles on their faces were amazing. I said, what happened in prison? He said, well, he was able to share the gospel with many people or many of his cellmates. 11 or 12 of them had come to Christ. And then he would call his wife and say, look, I've met this person that's come to Christ and he's given me his wife's number, his family's number. Can you go and visit them? So his wife who was out would go and visit their families and they would go, they, and many of them came to Christ. In total, about 35 people came to know the Lord Jesus Christ while he was in prison. Isn't that wonderful? And then two months later, one of the cellmates who had been imprisoned, uh, who had come to faith, called him while he was out. I said, I have some good news. Another 10 or 11 have come to Christ. And last night, I led a guy who's in here for murder to Jesus Christ. You see, persecution is not the end of the story. And the church in Iran has learned to live into the story God is writing by living like Jesus is Lord. And one reason that's happened in this generation is because in previous generations... Uh, we've had great men and women of God who've inspired us to live like that. And I want to tell you the story of a guy called Mehdi Dibaj. And I want to encourage you, because when you live like Jesus is Lord, the next generation will catch it as well. Why did F and M live like that? Because they've been inspired to live like that by those who've discipled them, those who've set the way for them. And I believe you are, there are many of you in this room that as you live a sacrificial life for the Lord, others will watch and will follow. So this was Mehdi Dibaj in 19, 9, 1985. He was uh, sentenced to prison because of his faith. He had been a believer at that time for a number of decades from a hardline Muslim background. They didn't like his work and his ministry, and so they put him in prison. 
He was in prison for nine years, almost nine years. Then in November 1993, he was sentenced to death. He was given one last court hearing where he could literally just deny his faith and walk out a free man. He stood before three Islamic judges and he gave his final defense. I want to read you some of the words that he said that day in that courtroom. They tell me, return. But from the arms of my God, who can I return to? Is it right to accept what people are saying instead of obeying the word of God? It is now 45 years I'm walking with the God of miracles, and his kindness upon me is like a shadow, and I owe him much for his fatherly love and concern. To know him means to know eternal life. I, a useless sinner, have believed in his beloved person and all his words and miracles recorded in the gospel. And I have committed my life into his hands. Life for me is an opportunity to serve him. And death is a better opportunity to be with Christ. Therefore, I am not only satisfied to be in prison for the honor of his holy name, but I'm ready to give my life for the sake of Jesus my Lord. What an incredible testimony. And I just feel maybe there's some people in this room thinking, isn't that just a little bit too much? Why would somebody be ready to die for Jesus? He says it right here, doesn't he? His kindness upon me is like a shadow. You know, Jesus is so wonderful. Jesus changes and transforms lives. When Iranians who are in darkness, who have tasted pain and suffering, who are just lost without grace, without hope, without forgiveness, when they find all of that in Jesus Christ, he is worth it all. It's all about him. What about you? Just a challenge to us. Are you, is there any area of your life that today you want to say, Lord, I really want you to be Lord in this area of my life, in every area of my life? Take a moment now just to think, is there a part of my life, the way I do business, the way I'm treating my wife, my husband, my friends, the way I'm using my finances or whatever it is, Lord, you are Lord. I make you Lord. I will live like you are Lord because that is the starting place of living into the story God is writing, trusting him that he is writing a beautiful story. Number two, in this story, every believer is a witness. Every believer is a witness. Jesus says after he says, blessed are the persecuted those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Because of the restrictions in Iran, <clears throat> the church couldn't grow just with 
professional pastors and leaders, people who are paid to do Christian work. Actually, there were no churches that people could go to. You couldn't just gather together and, and, and meet on Sundays. If you wanted to grow the church, you had to mobilize the whole church, everybody in the church, to play their part, to be a witness. And actually, that's the whole purpose of that. I mean, that's, what, that's the calling on the church, for all of us to be witnesses. You will be my witnesses, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so the situation in Iran, in fact, the persecution, has meant that the church has thought, we have to equip everybody to play their part. We can't just rely on people turning up to churches on a Sunday morning. And unfortunately, that's one of the weaknesses we have in the West. We can just think, well, if people want to learn about Jesus, they can come to church. And so we can become lazy in our own witness. I know I'm, I'm beginning to preach now. <laughs> we can become lazy in our own witness because, like, well, if people want to, they can turn up to church. There's one on every corner. But actually, the church grows as we are witnesses, not to our traditions and our way of thinking and our, uh, our theological knowledge, but witnesses to Jesus Christ. So we've learned that the church in Iran grows not through celebrities but through regular people, people you would never expect to be the heroes of the faith, but they are the heroes of the faith in Iran today. Your brothers and sisters, if you say that you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, you have brothers and sisters in Iran who are heroes of the faith, but maybe you'll never hear about them or know who they are, their names. It's a woman who, when she was 14 years old, was sold as a, as a child bride to an abusive, uh, uh, destructive man. She came to know the Lord Jesus and prayed for her husband. She began to serve him. One day she said, he says to her, who are you? <laughs> I thought I married. And you've changed, and he becomes a believer. The whole family that had basically used her as a slave for 15, 20 years are now believers, 20 people altogether, a simple woman who came to know Jesus and allowed him to change her life. It's a drug addict that will not, there won't be movies made about him or whatever, but he met Jesus Christ in his misery as he cried out. And today he's reached hundreds of other drug addicts simply saying, I've met Jesus Christ. He's changed my life and many others have come to know him. It's a criminal who was watching TV one day, comes across a TV channel offering hope and salvation in Jesus Christ and talking and preaching in Persian. And he just prays a simple prayer. Today he travels around the country in Iran telling people about Jesus, this ex-criminal. Thankfully, it's just ex-criminal now. So many stories of people who are simply going out to be a witness. Beautiful story that I was so moved by this year. A, a couple who had just been believers for a few months, but they were challenged to be witnesses. And so they felt they would go to another town and start praying and just thinking about who they might witness to. And they see a door, they see a house, and they feel led to go and knock on that door. What they didn't know is that by the time they'd gone there, earlier that day, the woman who lived in that house 
uh, had, uh, had, had a nap at 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what kind of life you have to live to, live, to have a nap at 11 o'clock in the morning. But she did. She had a nap at 11. And while she was having this nap, she sees a dream. And in her dream, there took two people turn up at her house at 1 o'clock in the afternoon with very important news that she has to listen to and she, that would bring her uh, you know, important inf- uh, news. And she wakes up, thinks, oh, that's a bit of an odd dream. That's a bit weird. But what was even more weird when was at 1 o'clock, just two hours later, there was a knock at the door. And those two simple Christians came and said, uh, we feel led just to tell you about Jesus Christ. She comes in, they come into the house. That day, that woman gives her life to Christ. And today, through her, eight, uh, seven others, eight of them all together, have come to know the Lord in that village. It's an incredible story, but simple. When every, if you want to live into the story God is writing, you are a witness. And those two who went into that house, they are so excited and energized by the fact that God, the God of the universe, directed them into that situation to transform people's lives. And friends, you are people who can do the same thing. Just as you witness for Jesus the stories that he will write as you change, as you bring hope, as you bring salvation, as you bring the message of forgiveness into people's lives and changes everything about the future. That's the most exciting thing. Just a few weeks ago, I was at this baptism uh, service. There were about 65 people being baptized. What a glorious day. Each one with a story. All of them from a Muslim background. All of them have met Jesus, one after the other, telling their testimonies. An 18-year-old girl who a year before was on a bed of suicide. A businessman who somebody had given them him one of these New Testaments starts to read it and are gripped with the words of Jesus. The night before, we'd been in one of the homes of uh, one of the families that were being baptized, and the mother was telling the story, and the daughter was there <clears throat> who was being baptized. And she, when she was young, her uncle had abused her, unknown to the family. As, as awful as you can imagine, regularly, week after week. Sometimes she was so down, her brother would offer himself to the uncle so that his sister would have a reprieve. Can you imagine the depravity, the darkness, the pain, and the suffering? And yet they were there with smiles on their faces, joy in their hearts, because they'd met Jesus the Savior, the Son of the living God, the one who died and rose again so that they would have life. Why would they not be overjoyed? He's given them life, and for the first time, they're experiencing life to the full. And so they're there joyfully worshiping, praising God, saying, we want to live like you, our Lord. We want to be witnesses for you. How about us? I know there are churches and Christians all over America, but there are people in your life that do not know Jesus. And I know you've heard this a million times, but I just maybe today is the day that you say, yes, I will be a witness. I will be somebody who goes and says, not, don't talk about tradition and all, you know, what you believe and what they should believe and introduce them 
to Jesus. To the grace of Jesus, to the love of Jesus, to the mercy of Jesus, to the justice of Jesus. He is so wonderful. He changes lives. He brings hope. Sure, not everybody's going to accept it. But when you live into the story God is writing and you witness, then this story unfolds in such beautiful and dramatic ways. And there will be nothing more exciting than for you to be part of the story that God is writing. Finally, so number one, if you want to live into the story God is writing, you've got to live like Jesus is Lord. You've got to live, you've got every believer, it's got to be a witness. And number three, every, in this story, every believer is a disciple and a disciple maker. Every believer is a disciple and a disciple maker. The rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is painting the picture of what his kingdom looks like, what we need to become more and more like. And you go and read that 5, 6, and 7, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew, it's challenging, but it's beautiful, and he wants us to grow into his image, and that means we are his disciples becoming more and more like him. If you want to live into the story of, uh, that God is writing, you've got to say, yes, I am wholeheartedly going to be a disciple, a follower, somebody becoming like Jesus, being made into his image, and living and practicing and living out the ways of Jesus. You know, the reality is some of us, and you may have heard it said, it said I, I'm a Christian, I, the discipleship thing is, you know, do I have to be a disciple? Can I just, just be a Christian? There is no such thing as I'm a Christian but not a disciple, right? Disappointingly for some. There is no such thing. I'm a Christian but the discipleship thing, leave it to the to the really keen ones. If you want to live into the story God is writing, you're saying, Lord, come. I will follow you. I will allow you to make me who you want me to be, and I will join your mission. So in the church in Iran, we realize life is not easy. Church is not easy. Church is messy. When people come to faith, there's a lot to deal with. You've got to grow. But when you give yourself to discipleship, your whole life, you're a disciple your whole life, but then also giving yourself to making disciples, helping others learn to follow Jesus, then the story goes further and further and further. And God does more and more incredible things. Discipleship, just like evangelism, is not just something done at church by professionals. Pastor Sean and all the other pastors here are great at their work, but they cannot disciple the whole church on their own. You are believers who must engage in discipleship yourself, learning to follow him. We've not cracked the code on this in the church in Iran, but what I can tell you is when people come to know the Lord, they also want to say, I want to become like him. I want to follow him. I want to be transformed by him. I want to grow in my following of Jesus day after day after day. And when that happens, the story goes further and further. I'll tell you one last story, and then we're going to watch a video, and um, I hope that will encourage you. But Which story should I tell you? I've got two to tell. 
I'll tell you Yasna's story. Yasna was a, Yasna was, her husband was a, uh, worked for, basically served the government of Iran, suffered, went to war for them, and he was killed, and so he was known as a martyr. He was, they were very, their family was very closely linked with the hardline regime. And a lot of times, in, for, for most people in the, in the country, most of the population, they don't like those who are so close with the, with the regime. So when Yasna, uh, five years ago, her husband was a martyr, everybody knows them as this sort of hardline family, um, she moved into a new apartment building. And because of who she was, everybody was afraid of her. They didn't want to be any, they didn't want to have anything to do with her. They're just like, leave, leave her alone. But some of the people that have been trained through our ministry had somehow gotten to know Yasna. And so they talked to her about Jesus. They led her to Jesus. And then they began to disciple her. She said, I want to grow. And they did discipleship, a discipleship program with them. And she began to grow. Her life was changed. And so she said, can I have a house church in my house? And they helped her plant a house church in her house, in her apartment. And when they would gather together, they would close the windows, close the doors, and try and worship in a way that, was, that others couldn't hear. But, you know, when Iranian Christians who've met Jesus worship, they sometimes find it difficult to keep their voices down. So one of the ladies in a, another apartment had her window open one day and heard worship music coming up from one of the other apartments. Now, who was this lady in the other apartment? Somebody had given her a New Testament years before. She'd read it. She'd given her life to Jesus, but she'd never met another Christian. And so she, um, uh, but how did she grow? She watched some Christian TV. She came to our websites and learning to, to grow that way, but she'd never met another Christian. But she'd heard the worship music on the TV programs and things. But this time she's hearing it live. So she's thinking, who in the, in the building is a believer? Who's got this worship? So she thinks, maybe it's that person. She goes and quietly knocks on another neighbor's door. and says, I heard worship music, Christian worship music. Are you Christians? And the person says, no, we're not. But are you a Christian? They, she says, yes. And they ask questions. And so Yasna leads this other neighbor to Christ. So then she wants to find out who is the, where is the worship coming from. Goes to the next apartment. The same thing happens. No, I'm not a Christian, but tell me more. And that, that second apartment comes to Christ. Third apartment, fourth apartment, fifth apartment, sixth apartment. All of them come to know the Lord. And then they're left. The last apartment is Yasna's apartment. They're all thinking, well, it can't be her. <laughs> so one day she goes and knocks at Yasna's door and says very sheepishly, quietly, says, we heard some worship music. Is it coming from you? Yasna says, yes, it's me. The whole apartment building are believers now in Tehran. It's an incredible story. <clears throat> Persecution is not the end of the stories. Jesus says, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Rejoice, the reward is great. Because the story God is writing is a beautiful story. My friends, there's no greater story to live into.
So I encourage you to live like his Lord. Be a witness. Be a disciple your whole life. And make disciples because through that way the story goes on and on. My friend Farshid stayed in prison for five years. 359 days in solitary confinement. Hard times. Then he went to the prison. When he went to the open prison, he said, I felt like I was going on vacation after being in solitary confinement. And in that prison, he, made, he, he was known as the happiest person in Evan prison in Iran. Can you imagine that? The happiest person. Why? Because he knew God is writing a beautiful story. He came out. We've continued to serve together. He's a dear, dear friend. I was with him just a few weeks ago. And as we finish, you're going to watch this video, this baptism video of a baptism that was about a year ago. And Farshid was leading this baptism. At that time, it was about 100 people being baptized. And he's one of them who's baptizing. Friends, Jesus is alive. God is writing the story. And when we submit to the story he's writing, uh, we see he does beautiful things. Thank you for your prayers and your partnership. If you want to pray more for Iran, uh, you've got a prayer guide that you can pick up at the side, at the back. There's a magazine with stories, and there, these are the New Testaments. If you have Iranian friends here in town, Persians, then you can take one of these and join the story. Give them, say, I've met Jesus Christ, he's changed my life, and give them one of these New Testaments. Hope you enjoy this video. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Boy, if you haven't been baptized, uh, that could inspire you to get baptized next Sunday. Uh, you can sign up for that. You know, we look at the world and we say, what can, what can we do? What difference can we make? And I love the very practical way uh, the New Testament is making a difference in Iran. And maybe you have Persian friends, as David mentioned. You can pick up one of these. Some people have asked, well, they were red last year, and they're green. Well, this one includes the Psalms, I believe, in the back, and Proverbs. So it's a little different edition. But these are available to you if you have a neighbor, a, a business associate, a, a friend who is Persian and reads Farsi. And like I said, just give it to him and says, tell him this talks about Jesus. He changed my life, and just share it with him. Now, we've got limited numbers, so don't grab stacks and don't grab them if you just want it as a curiosity. This is a tool to help people meet Jesus. And this tool is so important. One other way we can make a difference in all that we see going on in the Middle East, one other way is we can uh, help them secure some of these Bibles. We've committed in our leadership uh, to supplying 10,000 Bibles to Elam, and they're at $7.50 each, so that's $75,000 over the next couple of months, we would like to see go to help secure these Bibles so that the stories you heard can continue as the Holy Spirit takes his word, introduces people to Jesus, and they come to Jesus, sometimes without a person talking to them uh, over time, they're just reading the scriptures and embracing Christ as Savior, and so we'd like to do that, and I wanna encourage you to do that. You can scan the QR code that you see on the screen. Uh, you can uh, text Bibles to that number that's on the screen there, you can give at the kiosk in the lobby on our webpage, where it's calvarywestlake.org give. 
If you drop down on the drop down there, one of the choices is Bibles. Anything you see on our website right now that says Bibles, it's going to be Farsi Bibles to partner with Alam to get them into Iran so people can come to Jesus. So you can pick up your phone, scan that QR code. You can text that number. You can give a cash or check at the secure silver boxes at the door and just put Bibles on the memo. We'll know 100% of that which comes into Calvary for this. You make the check out to Calvary. 100% of it goes to help Elam purchase these Bibles. 100% will go to the Bibles. Now, last night, uh, a dear lady was here. She had lost a loved one recently, hadn't been in church in months, was just struggling in her grief, decided to kind of come at the last minute, doesn't normally come on a Saturday night, and she was very moved. And I uh, received this email from her. I saw it this morning, and just the Lord prompted me to share it with you. She said, uh, David's sermon and the work they're doing was so powerful what resonated so much besides all of it was when he said at the beginning something to the effect of, look at what is taking place around the world right now. People need Jesus. I came away from the service wanting to help and how easy it would be just to provide New Testaments to make a difference. And then uh, she said, also, I'm just wondering if anybody would match the commitment I'm making, which is $10,000 to the Bibles. And... Um, I just was prompted the Lord just to share that we did. Maybe somebody in this service will say, I'd like to match that lady's gift to make sure the word of God gets out to people. I don't know what God's doing in your heart. I, we've heard a good thing of what God's doing in Iran and how these Bibles are being used. So let's as a body, uh, maybe you say, well, I can only afford three Bibles. Praise God. That's not only, that's three Bibles that'll be in the hands of folks. Maybe you say, I can be that matching gift to that lady. Wonderful. But let's make a difference by getting God's word in the hands. You look, when you look at the news this week and you're, you're frustrated and worried, one way that the world in the Middle East can be changed is through the power of God's word getting into places where it's considered illegal, and yet it will change lives and turn the world upside down. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then our team will come, and Hannah's going to lead us, and I speak Jesus. I hope if you've come in heavy-hearted or uh, just overwhelmed by the stuff in our world, that just speaking and singing Jesus together over one another will bring strength and peace to your heart. David will be with me in the lobby. You can chat with him there. There's a table there in the lobby with uh, the prayer guide, the magazine, and those Bibles that are available for you to give to others. Would you stand with me as I pray, and then we close in one, one song? Father, thank you for David, for Elam, for the partnership. Thank you for those who support our regular offerings so we can partner with people uh, in places like Iran, get the gospel to others and get the word out. Thank you for what you're doing. And uh, the Iranian church is one of the fastest growing churches in the world and the government there hates that. And yet it could be what turns things around in a very difficult part of the world today. Father, we, we love you and thank you for the joy of being able to lift you up and worship you. May we leave here having been refreshed in your spirit and reminded of your son and eager to share your truth and just tell people, I met Jesus, let me tell you about him. Or to share a Bible uh, with someone who is of Persian background or to give so Bibles could be sent into Iran to see people come to Jesus. Maybe more apartment buildings like that one will be transformed by the power of the gospel. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Jesus and the peace and strength and grace he brings through his name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.